Wow. You're gonna like this. Oh, no, I'm not. Cause there is no goddamn middle. This is not unlike ancient Rome, by the way. Not so much the family circus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, um, I did, when I did Mary Shelley, I had the same issue with necromancy. A lot of them yeah. wanted to create self-sustaining farms and got into crystals. I know. Okay. I understand that. And, but yeah, I'm reading Livy, uh, who is a shitty historian. Because eerie guy guys. Others say that because Laurentia's body was common to all the shepherds around, she was called a she-wolf, which is a Latin term for whore. You were audible last season. It just, most of it was you slamming the table. As, as <laughs> the, the Romanists at the table. Well, duh. Yeah. Obviously. Ipso facto. Right. You know, to engage in a little bit of Latin. You have a sword rat. is a geek history of time where we connect nerdery to the real world and if you hadn't guessed we were having a conversation before we started recording this my name is ed blaylock i'm a world history teacher with uh, one count it one section of remedial reading here in northern california uh and who are you I'm Damien Harmony, and I've just realized that we've recorded eight episodes on Batman, and we've probably got another four to go. This is now the Batman con podcast. Like, what are we going to do for a palate cleanser after this? Um, something Marvel. Okay. Well, maybe something not comic I mean, booky. Know, like maybe maybe something not comic booky. Yeah. Like yeah. Like let's, this. Let's yeah. let's. We we really do have to think about Jesus. that. But you know, and and the thing is, as we're talking about it, though, yeah. <clears throat> I think it I think it bears mentioning that I'm a Latin kind of, teacher in Northern California. Well, number one, yeah. and and number two, <laughs> that, that in our in our own defense, um, Batman is one of these characters who there has just been so much shit done with him. That's true. In the course of the last, you know, eighty plus years, um, you know, he's he 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 and Superman. Uh, I think even more more than any other pair of superheroes, mm -hmm. they they truly are archetypes that we have in the modern era come back to over and over and over again. That is true. As and every time the Zitgeist changes, we get. At some point in the cycle, we get new Superman, and at some point in the cycle, we get new Batman, and they kind of react to one another, and they kind of counter one another, yep. and and they are the Arthur and the the um, they're they're the Robin Hood and the and the and the you know whatever bardic character you want to think of of our mm -hmm. era. Mm -hmm. Every generation has to come up with their own their own spin on these characters that already exist. Yeah, yeah. And I... so, I mean, you know, part of the reason that we have to spend so much time talking about this this you know crypto fascist motherfucker, <laughs> you know, to be really blunt about it now, yeah, uh, is is that. He hasn't always been that, and every generation brings. You know, we we call him that. I call him that right now because that's what he looks like to us. Yeah. In the current time frame. And and. Oh God! And you know, we get to the when so we get to the current when we get to the current iterations, you're going to see a lot of that shit too. 
Like, well, yeah. 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 Okay. So when, when we left off, mm-hmm. uh, last thing you had mentioned was that the time span between Burton one and, uh, Schumacher two. Yes. Was the same as the time span between Schumacher two and Nolan number one. Yeah. Cause it was 89 and to 97 it, and then it was 97 that, to 2005. And that kind of baked my noodle. Because lie. it feels like it was a lot longer, right? It really does. Well, there's a couple reasons for that. One, you and okay. I came of age. Okay. That's just true. Okay. Um, media right. changed a lot between those two years. Between 97 and 2005, there was a much bigger media change than there was between 89 and, and 97. Okay. Because while between 89 and 97, you had the advent of the internet... Between 97 and 2005, you had readily available broadband internet. It's kind of like the difference between no TV and having TV and then having TV and having a TV with a remote control. And then having TV with a remote control and over 100 channels. Well, I, you won't get over 100 channels without a remote control. No, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you're entirely right. But yeah. there's there there is there is I'm I'm going to argue there is as much of a difference between TV with no remote and TV with remote as there is between TV with remote and 25 channels and TV with first you know first generation remote 25 right. channels and a generation later TV with remote and over a hundred channels like the landscape shifts. I, I think it's a difference. I think what you're talking about is a difference in degree, and the degree shift is different, but I think it's a difference in kind. When you go from go over there and click the thing, because you're going to turn that damn thing off, there is not that much broadcasting going on because people sitting there with a remote are just hitting their thumb. And now you have round-the-clock broadcasting. And yes, you you do have an explosion of channels but you already had round-the-clock broadcasting that allowed that. So that's a difference in degree. I'm going to say shifting from no remote to having a remote because that's different in kind. All right. I, yeah. I see. I, okay. And I, 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 see, I, think, I see the argument you're making. Yeah. I, and I, I think I think the, the drama level of the change I think is comparable, though, because mm-hmm. of the massive difference in scale. Yeah, and, I, I, and, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say you're wrong because I mm-hmm. think you, you, you make a meaningful point there. But I, I think, I, I think, I think after a certain point, a big enough change in scale almost becomes a change in kind. Yes, it does, or becomes as dramatic as yes. a change in kind. I fully agree that a difference in degree can turn into difference in kind. Uh, I and you know, largely that point's academic, but that's why we're here. Um, yeah. I, I do think, though, that the change in culture between 89 to 97, when the internet was still nascent, it was still dial-up, it was still localized for the most part, versus the change from 97 to 2005, suddenly you've only got like seven corporations running most internet, it's all broadband, or it's wildly available broadband, and YouTube has started. And so I'd say that that, that shift is a massive difference in kind. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, no, you're, yeah. No, you get no argument out of me. But there. the real reason so, why it feels like it's so much longer is because something happened on uh, September 11th, 2001. 
And okay. that's a flashbulb uh, through which you kind of restart the ticker tape as far as what you think history starts with. Because everybody remembers where they were kind of thing. That yeah, becomes the anchor it was, point. It was, it was the, the, our, unfortunately, it was our, our generation's version of Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Or Daily or Daily Plaza. Yeah, yeah, I I fully agree. Um, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think that's what makes it feel so long. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I think there's there's something there. I, I think there was there was a really major a really major change in the in the character mm-hmm. of our culture. Yeah. After that. Yes. So, yeah. All right. So it's going to feel like it's a lot longer. And I, I really think that's because the movie Master of Disguise was being filmed at that time. And that is what... I mean, there was also a tragedy in New York, but um, the, the this, Dana Carvey the this Dana is Carvey really, movie... really good beer you nearly made me spit all over the microphone. I... <sighs> You you disagree that, that not not a, cool a movie with Dana Carvey, Brent Spiner, and Jennifer Esposito is not worth. I mean, yes, I disagree. Oh, okay, okay, immensely. I agree to disagree, then I guess because okay, uh, you name yeah. another movie that literally only made it to eighty minutes with credits that had as huge a <laughs> national impact as as this movie did. <laughs> um. Off the top of my head, I will confess that I cannot. Right. That, yeah, I'm just, okay. I'm, I'm going to give that one to you. Okay. In the interest of moving on. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I will call that a victory and strut around and brag about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm podcasting with a pigeon. Okay, yes. got it. Understood. Yeah. Got it. Cool. So. Cuckoo, motherfucker. <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, so so yes so the so the the time that the the eight years between mm-hmm. uh the end of schumacher and the beginning of nolan do feel much longer in retrospect yes than the eight years between the beginning of the i i continue to say the modern batman cycle and and the end of it schumacher. is it is though. That's the thing. It's it's um I mean you you've okay. So I think that the Nolan is the modern. Okay. I, I think right. that Fair. is the breakaway cuz the other Fair. one is is still emblematic of a an era that we're no longer in. But the Nolan Batman has started a way to make me feel fucking old, man. But yeah, <laughs> no you're I mean I, I have no way of arguing. But yeah. Ow. Yeah. Yeah, no so, you're right. So here we are, 2005, and maybe this is also yeah. why it feels older, or or it feels like it's been such a long time between those two, because this one's called Batman Begins. So the other ones are like prehistoric Batman. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I can see that. Okay. So meaningful. This is the first of the Nolan trilogy. This is the throat cancer Batman. This is the one grounded in reality, not iconography. Batman Begins. Okay, okay. I'm I'm fascinated by grounded in reality, not mm-hmm. iconography. Yes, 
throat cancer Batman, I totally understand what you're talking about with that. Like, I get that. Right. It took me a minute, but I got there. So, so I get that. I would love uh, Emo Phillips to play Batman. <laughs> just, there's only there's only one way I would watch an Emo Phillips movie or Emo Phillips play Batman, and that would be if Andy Warhol came back from the dead to direct. <laughs> because that's what you would need. You could just see Emo Phillips just talking very light and going into different things while he's fumbling with his utility belt. <laughs> Oh. You're really lucky I finished my beer before Because <laughs> so. I have to reach through the monitor And <laughs> fucking hurt you Oh dear uh, Yeah that's that's performance art Of, yeah, of an entirely oh. Entirely different novel Kind of level I right there ask, I gotta ask if any friends can get in touch with Emo Phillips And pitch that <laughs> That would be amazing. That would just be amazing. Uh, okay, okay. Since 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 you can't get um, uh, Warhol, Warhol, yeah. you need to get Waters. Yes. Like yes, like it's got. It has to be one of the two of them. Yes. Like because otherwise, what? Why are you even bothering? Yeah, but, true. True. Yeah. Yeah. But oh my god. <laughs> so. So okay. So so we're we're clearly very amused by our by our own sense of humor. Yes. But but to get as serious yeah. as we ever get here, Nolan and yes. and rooted in reality, not iconography. Yes. Explain. Okay, so this Batman is the two thousands version of what Bruce Wayne was uh was was well, how to put not was tried to be. What Michael Keaton was trying to do with Bruce Wayne. Okay. This is the 2000s version of it. So things are updated. It's not so much about the internal so much as how he expresses that internal. Christian Bale played Batman as a rage monster. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's 2000s, yes. right? 89 is I'm depressed and I'm drawing inward. 2000s yeah. is I am raging. Uh, physically and psychologically aggressive. It's also much more close to noir than any other because Nolan and Bale both wanted to really push Batman toward a moral ambiguity. And I say this knowing full well that this is 2005 where we're not the good guys in the world anymore. We can't even pretend to be. No. And no, we're, see, we're starting yeah, to embrace that. it. That's the scary part. Mm, yeah, sadly. Yeah. The the moral, not even ambiguity, the, the moral uh, relativism. Yeah, the right of might. Is your, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I see that because, of course, you know, now by this time we've been, we've been at war in the Middle East for, you know, four years now. Well, let's in see, the invasion starts in 02, right? Okay, so yeah. call it but, three yeah. years, yeah, yeah. but still, still, um, and and nobody, nobody in the audience of the movie by two thousand five mm-hmm. would be, uh, would 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 remain uh, by that time absolutely convinced of our of our you know unwavering moral rightness. Yes, because by by two thousand five we'd seen Abu Ghraib. Mm-hmm. And we had 
trying to remember when was the surge. The surge o- was o- o- five was before. Yeah, the o- five before. Yeah, because O five was after we reelected Bush, who said, "Yeah, I fucked it up, but you don't really want to change leaders." And besides, this guy, uh, he he lied about his service in Vietnam that I ducked, and so we ended up having an election about the wrong part of Asia, um, and about the wrong war. And with the guy, yeah, Ed is drinking heavily, um, and. Uh, <laughs> Okay. No. Uh, did, but did, yeah, did the audio effect didn't quite work there. So I was trying this, to whistle through my beer bottle. The surge anyway. happened in 07, if I recall. Late 06, 07. You know, folks, add yeah. us. Add us. Find us on the Twitter. We'll give you yeah, the address at the us. end. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. So it's 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 a bad time. It really is. And rage, <laughs> rage You're is gonna happening. Have a bad time. <laughs> um. You know, the next year a song would come out by a group called Blue October called Hate Me. Like, it's just a really bad time. Okay. All right. So, uh-huh. so I got to get, I got to get personal for half a second here. Oh, okay. And of course it's me. So it will be half a second. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, so oh five oh six is the time period during which I was divorcing my first wife. Mm-hmm. And. Holy <laughs> shit. Hang on, hang on, hang on. You and I absolutely married each other. Because you're divorcing your first wife as I was marrying mine, and then I was divorcing her as you were marrying yours. Oh, shit. Goddamn. Okay. So anyway, right. that's depressing. So anyway, so anyway um, yeah. Yeah, 2005, 2006 was, was the point at which my first marriage was disintegrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that song by Blue October... Mm-hmm. Um, really really fucked me up oh yeah like oh yeah yeah it did it did bad things to me the first couple of times it came on the radio after about the third time i was like you know what uh no click yeah i i for my own sanity i need to walk away from this yes and so i mean i i went with you know my 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 best friend uh and his wife to go see Batman Begins, mm-hmm. and yeah, the the color palette of that film mm-hmm. very very clearly and very uh, meaningfully matched the color palette of my own internal emotional landscape. Oh yeah, the, um, lots of grays. Mm-hmm. And you know, in my recollection, what's interesting about uh, Batman Begins is there's an awful lot of it that happens in daylight. Yes. Which all of the other since since '89, mm-hmm. all of the other Batman films had been, you know, everything happens at night because obviously Batman like nocturnal. Right. But there's awful lot of stuff in Batman Begins that mm-hmm. happens in not only not only daylight but like broad daylight oh yeah but it's all immensely washed out yes oh yeah day it's all gray overcast yeah daylight yeah and it's it's a daylight version of noir um the way of putting it yeah yeah the character rachel dawes is created entirely for this particular movie so if you're keeping score that's what three female characters created entirely for the movie or maybe four. Um, yeah. 
As for the foci and the themes of this particular one, it's yet again a product of our times. This Batman movie has Batman as its central character, even though Batman doesn't show up until an hour into it. Bruce Wayne is Batman, whereas Michael Keaton's Batman was Bruce Wayne. This particular Batman iteration is fatherless, and that's kind of the thing. He's in search of a viable father figure and kind of keeps getting burned by it. Now, I say that because we were in many ways leaderless. For that time, it was leaderless. The guy was incompetent, um, and we kept getting burned by his attempts to make his dad love him. Um, Bruce Wayne latches on to Ra's al Ghul as a father figure. Yeah, and that goes catastrophically badly. Well, he does teach him how to Batman. Um, yes. But then he also yes. latches on to Alfred as his other father figure, uh, the yes. one who teaches him why he should Batman. Yes. And by the way, yeah, I just want to say, as mm-hmm. good as the the everybody, like, I, I don't know if there has been a single bad performance as Alfred, like, ever. I, I think that's one of those parts that everybody who's done the role has done a good job of it. Yes. That being said, Michael Caine's Alfred is fucking brilliant. Michael Caine is probably the best actor to have played Alfred, you know? You're not wrong. Yeah. You know, and, not at all wrong, and, and now Jeremy Irons I, is doing it, by the way. Oh, yeah. You know? So, yeah. You know, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm low-key really mm-hmm. excited about the new, the new film that they're working on. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about that later. Yeah, that's five episodes it, from now. Yeah, that's, that's um, like <laughs> that's that's going to be the coda for you know episode yeah. thirteen of our of our Batman series. But anyway, carry on. So so Batman has Ra's al Ghul to teach him uh, how to Batman. Alfred to teach him why to Batman. Really, he's got like four father figures in the movie, which all bring a special kind of fathering aspect uh, toward Batman. Uh, like I said, Alfred and Ra's al Ghul, but also Lucius Fox, who's the steady and reliable dad. And, of yeah. course, Thomas Wayne, um, who is his actual father, who dies before they could connect. He's Fox's opposite. He is not steady and reliable because he's dead. Um, now, in 2004-2005, a lot of kids' parents were off at war. Okay. So fatherlessness, I'm, father absence, kind of I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back a little bit on that. Sure. Just only a little. I, I think, I think there, 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 there were an awful lot of of parents who were off at war. I'm going to point out that as a percentage of the population mm-hmm. in in the United States, the the number of people who are serving. Uh huh at any given time is relatively quite small. It which is. is part of the reason why it is as easy for us as a population to commit people to going to war because not right. very many of us know very many people who are actually going to have to go do that. Right. Um, you know, I mean, you you and I, of course, of course, both know your brother, and so we have a very personal connection to that. Uh-huh. Whereas, and I mean, I, I have a couple of cousins who, who served and have been over there and come back and all that, mm-hmm. but you know, I think they're, they're, 
I don't, I don't want to run the risk of overselling the idea of, you know, we as a society had parents who were off at war. I, I feel like, I feel like that's a little bit of a reach. Well, let me, let me try to convince you that it's not. Okay. So a lot of people's parents were off at war. Notice I didn't say dads. I said parents. This is a well, new yeah. thing. That's a new thing. Though. This, this is. Yes. Mom no, I'm, not, is, I'm certainly not going to argue with that. Which yeah. is highlighted in the news regularly at that time. The welcome home videos, the coming home to the high school rally, all that stuff is in the feel-good section of the news. You have uh, TV shows that are starting to highlight the war over there, including one called Over There. Um, FX TV is doing really good stuff with that kind of thing. You have uh, movies starting to come out about uh, the first Persian Gulf War. You have the war itself being so entrenched in the zeitgeist. And part of the reason why is because the Bush administration is putting as many good faces onto it as possible, which means talking about parental sacrifice. So proportionally, you're absolutely right. Representationally, I disagree entirely. I think the the fact that we had so many stories about parents at war absolutely skewed the story for us so in other words we as a as a zitgeist we had a manufactured yes overemphasis yes overemphasized okay all right all right i see what you're saying and and i i will grant that i i i I don't have a counter to that and Mm -hmm. yeah okay all right, yeah, that so makes sense. You've got, you've got Bruce Wayne, who's parentless, but he's trying to grab at father figures. He's got three living ones and one dead one, right? So Yeah. Yeah, okay. So our leader was the unfavored son of a prior president who was doing everything he could to impress and win his dad's love. And not knowing a thing about how to do the job, he was learning about it from his advisors and his enablers as he went. Does this sound like Bruce Wayne trying to figure out Batmaning yet? That means that he's learning under the, he's learning under the tutelage of Dick Cheney, Donald Rumsfeld, and Colin Powell. Raza Ghoul, a guy who knew his parents, Donald Rumsfeld, and a black guy who's pretty steady. I'm never going to be able to watch that movie the same way ever fucking again. Sorry. This is now Damien Ruins Batman for Ed. Thank you. Sure. God damn it. So, like I said, Powell was the constant and steady force. Dick Cheney was the ambitious and amoral pragmatist that Ra's al Ghul was, pushing Bush for his own agenda ultimately. And Rumsfeld was like the bad guy version of Alfred. He was doing what Bush wanted because that's what Cheney told Bush he wanted. And he was offering advice the way he could. Both had served prior masters and were you know, now pulling Bush's strings. You have not necessarily the army that you want. Uh huh. That's that's a really, really, really shitty counter to some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> like, like, like I said, he's an evil Alfred. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I, I I heard that. Yes, yeah. I. I'm I'm just saying. Yes, like. How 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 often does does reality let us down so so badly in comparison to the to the silver screen? Like, yeah. Now now the comparison between Ross El Ghul. And, I would say, have you seen Dick, have you seen Hereditary? Like we already know how badly it's let us down. Yeah. No. No. 
No, I haven't seen Hereditary. <laughs> How about I'm A Quiet Place? See. No. Okay. Nope. Cause, no. Because there's your no. pair right there that tell us about this last uh-uh. presidency. Nope. So. Nope. All right. So you're no. talking about Ra's al Ghul. So, so Ra's al Ghul as as the celluloid Dick Cheney, the, the one the one thing I'm going to say there is Ra's al Ghul was not a soulless fucking vampire. <laughs> He had an ideology. You're right. He had. He actually had an ideology that wasn't just you know power for the naked grasping sake of power. True. Um, and and he didn't you know uh, suck the lifeblood out of kittens to survive. True. So, you know, <laughs> one of one of my favorite moments from The Daily Show back during that time period. Yeah. Was uh, John Stewart, you know, looking at the camera saying. So, you know, it's it was interesting this week. Uh, you know, the, in Washington, D.C., the air was a little fresher. The birds sang a little sweeter in the trees and the sun shone a little brighter. That's right. Dick Cheney was out of town all week. <laughs> My favorite was where Dick Cheney shot his friend on a hunting trip. And his and friend... friend apologized. To yes. Him. How, how, like... What level of Dark Lord of the Sith do you have to get to to pull that off? Right? Like, like I want an experience point total. I want to know. Yeah. Like, like what level was Cheney as a necromancer to yeah. have that fucking happen? Yeah. Like, dear God. You know, when we thought it couldn't get any worse. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Like, Dark Lord of the Sith, uh, again, has an ideology. Uh, although I, I would say Palpatine, his ideology was power for its own <laughs> sake. So, so also... Yeah, in, yeah. I, I, yeah I, go ahead. In 2004, uh, we were also still really damn scared. Who was the main bad guy? Oh, a guy with, with an oddly Arabic-sounding name. No, I was I was saying in the Batman movie. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I Scarecrow. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I I was thinking of Rachel Ghoul. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah no. But, yes, you're Scarecrow, right. Actually, fear. but yeah, Scarecrow. Yeah. yeah, he's all about fear and the other theme. Right, Batman in this time is not fearless, but he did rise above his fear. Thus, Scarecrow was more of a complication to deal with than an actual existential threat. The threat was much more Ra's al Ghul. And Scarecrow was the vehicle for Batman to be drawn out of Bruce Wayne as a result. So it's through his trial with his fear that he then can become the Batman and face Ra's al Ghul. And the pain... Oh, go on. There's there's some real interesting uh, hero's journey kind yes. of kind of analysis that could be that could be done with that at the same time mm-hmm. as our you know uh, you know political veneer analysis is is just what occurred to me hearing you hearing you say that is yeah. you know we we have we have the the you know initial dragon pulling the hero out of his his original persona to yeah. face the you know yeah that's that's all. Yeah. So yeah. Bruce Wayne is, he has to face his fear, but he has to use pain to get through it. And the pain of his search for his fathers was a much more centralized struggle for him. 
And it's really the pain and the despair of feeling betrayed. And the and and tell me that people in America did not feel that shit, right? And the feelings, oh, yeah, in a big way. yeah, and the feelings of emotional pain of being attacked when previously we'd held a possession of tremendous hegemony and privilege, are absolutely being echoed in that very thing. The despair is really there too, uh, whereas self-reflection, not so much. Um, no, 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 yeah, no, no, no. Um, um, Bale's Batman does not spend any time reflecting on himself. Nope. Like at all. He, he is, he is all externalized. Yes. Everything. Yes. Everything is externalized. There is, there is no meaningful level of introspection at all. Yep. Um, his, his Batman, his Bruce Wayne are, are both entirely about outward control mm-hmm. and projection of power. Yes. And, and, you know, where, where Keaton's Bruce Wayne was, you know, a wounded, a wounded kid trying to deal, trying to cope with that loss, uh, and, and actually had an arc in which he actually like dealt with that. Mm -hmm. Bales never stops being a wounded kid and doubles down on Right. No, the Joker can win. Right. You know, like like there, there, there is no, there, there is no acceptance. Yeah. There is no acceptance face of of his mourning. It's, it's all, no, no, I'm going to control this one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. So at the same time, nationally, there's not much self-reflection. There's nobody asking why we fight, despite it being a really good documentary that came out around the same time. Um, They just know that there's a fight and it's scary. So be really strong and be a badass. Mission accomplished. And the editing of... Fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) The editing Uh, of... that's, That's actually the moment I stopped being a Republican. Oh, Okay. Like I, I need, I need to throw that out there. Yeah. So, so it's, it's funny. My father and I actually really strongly disagree on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was because of my father that, that this moment was just made me so incandescently fucking angry. So, so we, we all of course remember the moment that George W. Bush mm-hmm. stood on, on a carrier deck with a huge banner behind him that said mission accomplished wearing wearing you know a flight jacket and it was so clearly a photo op oh yeah like like everything about it was so was so staged perfectly framed and and he himself of course had joined the air national guard to avoid going to vietnam and then had not even shown up for all of his time in the guard right and so seeing that, you know, a rich boy, silver spoon motherfucker wearing the trappings of my father's genuine wartime Vietnam military service, standing on the deck of a carrier, that motherfucker never landed on a goddamn carrier. 
naval aviators land on fucking carriers. This this is a big point for me because this is how I was raised. Like like there are there are pilots and there are aviators, and the difference is an aviator, a naval aviator knows how to land on carrier in the middle of the ocean at night under high seas he never did that shit and he wants to stand on the deck of that fucking ship and claim credit isn't even fucking over yet understand i'm saying this now 15 plus years later Mm -hmm. you can hear how angry i am talking about it now Mm -hmm. at the time i could not words yeah my father, who who was the guy who actually did all of that shit, uh, was like, "No, man, that was cool. That was the president, you know, doing doing president things." And like, he and I have never seen eye to eye politically since, um, you know. But but that that was literally that was the point at which W lost me mm-hmm. for the Republican Party forever, like. No, motherfucker, you don't get to claim that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I, I had already been moving away from being somewhere to the right of Genghis Khan, you know, anyway. And, and you know, my social circle had, had expanded to include, you know, liberals. And so I was, I was you know, beginning to move in a, in a more you know, uh, centrist direction to begin with. But then that was just like, okay, no, you know what? Fuck you. Mm -hmm. And it's just been one long gradual leftward slide for me ever since, uh, to the point now that, you know, I'm actually an Eisenhower Republican. Um, so a socialist, which, which, yeah. So by, by the standards of our day, I'm, you know, a commie. Uh, to anybody in the Republican Party now, um, but yeah. Okay. So anyway, I I had to you know talking about mission accomplished, talking about that that moment there, zeitgeist. Because the thing is, I don't think I was the only one. I think mm-hmm. I think of our generation. I think there were. I think I, I mean I'm not, I'm not going to try to claim that it was like a majority of young Republicans or anything, but I think there were people who were, you know, on, 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 on verge of 30 or, or around there who, who did look at that. And that was kind of the moment where W's, you know, Alfred E. Newman kind of care was revealed for, for a lot of us, mm. you know, again, not, not like a majority, but I think I think there were a fair number of people who were like, "This dork is going to stand up here and try to look much." Really? But anyway, I'm projecting. But yeah. Well, I would say that the following election did actually prove that a lot of people did leave that party, at least for the next eight years, and then you do. This is yeah. what happens when you don't take the full course of antibiotics. Well, and you just wait until like the symptoms sub- sub- yeah, well, subside because yeah. then it comes back worse. That's that's the problem yeah, with once, not once, stomping once, fascism. Once rash goes away, stop yeah. taking up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So uh, let's look. So anyway. Sp- yeah. Sorry. I I just I. Yeah. So let's look strong. I'm, let's I'm, look I'm, badass. I'm and yeah. let's let's you know hang a banner, and the editing of the movie 
absolutely reflects that too. There's not very many shots that last over a couple seconds in the movie. We are constantly thrown around, as is Batman in his new role. Okay, yeah, you know, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but cinematographically. Mm-hmm. So, is there any iconography going on in there? No. Yeah, is it a a jarring sense of reality? Yes. Is it mimicking our sense of being jostled and unsure and having to deal with fear and having to project rage? Yes. And that's what 2005 really was about. That's why that movie hit so hard. So that brings okay. us to 2008. Yeah. The Dark Knight. The one with the Joker again. Yes. The one with surveillance state being necessary yes. to bring back order. Yeah. So okay. this yeah. is the one. Yeah. This is the one where the Joker isn't just chewing up scenery. He's far more fascinating as a character as well. <clears throat> really, this was Heath Ledger's coming out party more than it was Christian Bale's movie. Um, Ledger dove. Yeah, and and it's such an. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, Ledger dove pretty deep into the psychology of his character to get this performance, and it absolutely shows. And he he's not method because he's not drawing on his own experiences. Um, he did something different. Now this was mm-hmm. the first superhero movie to make it to a billion dollars worldwide. There you go, DC. Um, it is still the highest grossing Batman movie of all time. And it was also a stark contrast to Iron Man, which had come out in May, which was rather tongue-in-cheek and flashy. Uh, yeah, yes, very, very much so. Mm-hmm. And, and and had a very um, charismatic, snarky, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wise guy main character who, you know, has a moral epiphany. Yes, and takes know, a moral and, stand and that learns, is moral. Learns. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Whereas this one is less about morality and orders. Yeah. And and it's it's all it's very much Apollonian versus Dionysian. Yes. So this one is yeah. gritty, it's reality-based, and it's psychotic as fuck. I mean, it's a dark movie. Um, and it was made darker by the death of Heath Ledger in January of 2008 when the movie hadn't even come out yet. The fact that he died of a drug overdose or, or a combination of drugs that was toxic to him, and he had worked so hard at this role, made yeah. it even darker and grittier. And Heath, Le- Heath Ledger was not the only death attributed to this movie, by the way, because a stuntman died in the car crash scene. Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. So Nolan I, decided... I had not... Oh, wow. Nolan decided to get away from what Burton had done with Joker. Uh, he specifically avoided his origin story so that Joker would be an absolute character. But this is a podcast about Batman and the depiction mm-hmm. of Batman, so I'm going to talk about Batman. Okay. But it, it did need mention because Joker is okay. such an interesting cat. So Christian Bale comes back to play Batman. He continues to play him as a man who's been struggling with identity. Um, in his discussions with Harvey Dent and Rachel Dawes, we see Bruce... By the way, Rachel Dawes is played by a different character. We see Bruce Wayne discussing the true nature of mm-hmm. Batman. In contrast to Harvey Dent, who is the White Knight versus the Dark Knight. 
and you get into this hero we deserve versus okay. hero we need. You either die a hero or you live long enough to become a villain, that kind of stuff. A lot of identity questions and a lot of doubt as to whether or not Batman is doing the right thing, as to whether or not it's worth it, and as to whether or not it's valued. But note that none of it is a discussion as to whether or not his efforts as Batman are necessary. There's such a rot in society that the need for such a Batman is clearly there. Now, this is 2008. We accept that these wars are ongoing and they have no end in sight. So there's no question as to whether or not we have to be there, which is really scary. (laughs) Just whether or not it's worth it and whether or not it's valued. Not that it's not necessary. Ouch. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got the Joker wow. acting as an agitating agent there. Like, it just is worse. <laughs> like, it's, nothing's better. Um, In this sequel, Bruce Wayne tries to stop being Batman. He sees Dent as his mm-hmm. own salvation, actually. And later, he decides to reveal his identity in order to save lives. So there's a lot of play with the identity. As Joker is threatening and making good on his threats uh, to kill until Batman does this. And, and Batman starts to play along. Um, because there are Batman imitators cropping up, the Joker has a lot of people it can pick on. And before he can, Harvey Dent, before Bruce Wayne can claim it, Harvey Dent claims to be Batman. So there's a lot of issues of identity going on. Mm -hmm. So Harvey Dent is the White Knight of Gotham, and he is the, quote, bright face of Gotham's future. And then he becomes Two-Face. So just, I mean, the, the amount of spinning that I had to do to keep my head around this is insane. Bruce Wayne doesn't want to be Batman, and he sees Harvey Dent as his salvation of being Batman. And then uh, Batman's identity is called into question, and Joker's threatening to kill people who are pretending to be Batman until uh, Batman reveals his identity. So then he goes to reveal his identity, but then Harvey Dent lies about his own identity, claiming that he's Batman, and now Bruce Wayne still can't claim to be Batman. And and then Harvey Dent gets damaged and becomes Two-Face, uh, his identity forever shattered and, and bisected. Uh, Bruce Wayne is constantly trying to stop being Batman this whole time. He doesn't feel yeah. compulsion from within anymore. It's, it's from without. Everything is acting upon him. Um, he's let go of the fear and he's let go of the anger that led him to being Batman. He wants a normal life. And it's only external factors that are preventing it now. Doesn't that kind of sound like the last six months of Bush's presidency? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hugely. Yeah, in a big way. Yeah. Woof. I have, yeah, okay. It gets... And, and yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch this one again because... Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there's more because Joker sets up a two ships dilemma, which is really the prisoner's dilemma with criminals and non-criminals. So now you've got... Um, uh, deserving versus undeserving. So again, the hero we need, the hero we deserve. And each yeah. each ship has the power to blow up the other ship, which is again, duality and again, identity. So who's going to act more brutally to save themselves? And you've got a dilemma and you've got an identity dilemma and all this. And this whole movie is about Bruce Wayne's anguish at even being Batman. And I would just like to point out the first one I mentioned was despair. And this one I'm mentioning anguish. 
Um, even the solution to finding Joker so as to end his madness, as Joker is pure chaos in this movie, is the one that is a moral dilemma. Lucius Fox threatens to quit over this. And Batman yeah. now says that it's necessary as awful as it is. Get Mo much? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, and honestly, like, when was the Olympics in London? Was that 2012 or 2008? I forget. Oh, yeah, I do too. I but don't recall. they set up an enormous, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, basically, the, the Olympics in London was a wonderful excuse to create a surveillance state. Yeah. So, it's you not know. wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's how it went. Um, it was 2012, by the way. So I'm off by okay. a few years on that. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, so he's anguishing over this. Uh, Lucius Fox says, I'm going to quit. And, and so like a father abandoning his son. Um, and Batman says okay. it's, it's necessary. And then he turns around and uses the entire city as his own sonar network, which kind of cool being a bat. Um, which is absolutely a surveillance state in order to find the Joker and end his madness. Um, and then he gives the power to destroy that to Lucius Fox because he does in, in the only time in history, do you have somebody with a lot of power decide not to use it ever again? Yeah. Um, so in fact, in many ways, Batman is the embodiment of what vision is arguing for in civil war. Um, you remember Vision's thing in Civil War? He says, uh, you know, basically Batman, his presence attracts lunacy and escalation at the very violence that he's trying to prevent. Um, just like Vision said, you know, it, it's, uh, we have power. Power breeds uh, opposition. Opposition breeds calamity. Um, catastrophe, yeah, well, he says. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and at the end of the first Nolan movie, it's actually explicitly called out. Mm-hmm. That you know, because because uh, Gordon shows him the playing card, yes, and says and, and makes some kind of reference to to an arms race or something, and it's yeah. and it's very clearly, uh, you know, it, I mean, it's it, it is explicitly called out that yeah. you know, you you've shown up and now we have a new breed of crook. Yes. Yeah. You oh. Know? Oh. God. Yeah. That's absolutely there. And and so and so this this is in some ways the expansion and payoff of that seed having been planted at the end of uh, the Dark Knight. The Batman Begins. Yeah, Sorry. Batman Begins. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're absolutely right. Um, so Gotham is clearly incapable of solving its own problems. So it at once begs for someone to take matters into their own hands. That's dangerous. Mm. And then it scorns them for doing the same. And wow, fashy much. Yeah. In so doing, they're abrogating their own moral responsibility and really calling into question the value of the social contract. And I love that as relates to the two ships dilemma because the prisoner, giant prisoner, goes over and takes it from the from the cop. From the warden. From the warden. Yeah. That's right. And he says, and you flings can, it out the window. Yeah. He's, and he sits down. So justice is something that you can take into your own hands and impose upon others through the, your own force of will. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's been 
that's been part of the subtext of the character of Batman since the very beginning. Yes. Now I'm going to say there's a second layer to that subtext because Batman is ultimately a protagonist. He is ultimately a good character. And so you are, how to put this? Um, You are, whatever choice you're going to make is going to suck. There is no good choice to make. There is no good choice to make that doesn't leave you stained. And you have to decide as though you're the only one who can. So not only do we have this Nietzschean ideal of Batman that has been there from the beginning, but now we have a Sartian um, existentialism that's going on through the arc of these two films. You have to choose. Ultimately, you have to choose. That's fucking bleak. Yes, it is. And it's 2008. And 2008 was a bleak goddamn time. So... Um, this is fully embodied in, in the, in, in Bruce Wayne's desire to stop being Batman. He wants to quit being Batman, but also he wants to, um, he, he wants to save Gotham and he's noticeably exhausted by this conflict within. He, like you see like him at the parties and stuff and he's clearly playing a tired man. Now, some of that is he's got a really active nightlife too. Um, but it doesn't in this one, isn't he falling asleep in a board meeting? Isn't that this one? Um, he's yeah. also he's yeah. anguishing in his desire to tend to himself. Yes. So he's anguishing in his, his de- desire to tend to himself, but also to tend to the city that scorns his very efforts. There is no social contract in Gotham. It's ultimately an exploitative relationship at its core, and Bruce Wayne is the one suffering from that. And it's the chaos that the Joker brings that highlights all of Which this. Which is is Yeah, man, it's and it's and it's a remarkably Lenny Riefenstahl kind of kind of narrative. Yes, it is. The 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 strong man, the one the one with the will being the victim of the masses. Yes. You know, Ayn Rand would just like oh, that that would be that would be the kind of thing that would that would give Ayn Rand uh, you know, quite the good time. Oh, she'd um, she'd have yeah, she'd have George Clooney nipples. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, the, the exceptionalism, the, mm-hmm. the elitism, the, the objectivism, like, all of that. Yeah. 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 I, I know. Now, yeah. It's, 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 you know, and the thing is, I don't know if, cause, cause this is Nolan we're talking about who is a smart enough guy mm-hmm. that like, I have to wonder if the the layers of text and subtext that we're that we're talking about here with the objectivism and the and the Lenny Riefenstahl stuff and all that, whether that was no no I'm making you as the viewer complicit in all this and I you know whether 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 he he noted all of it and it was on purpose to make a statement mm-hmm. or if he saw it all and did it because, you know, he was trying to make an objectivist point, which I don't think 
from what I know of him, I don't think that's that's what Nolan would be trying to do. Or if it was just, this is the story I'm going to tell, and you know, the subtext is the subtext, and it's you know, pattern in the wallpaper kind of stuff. I think that he would have been given his use of color, like you said earlier, how it's just so gray and bleak. He's absolutely trying to involve you in what's going on. Because if you look okay. at the interrogation of the Joker scene, the light is swinging. <sighs> Which means the the borders between dark and light, the moral ambiguity is is in full sway, and I mean it's brutal. And you look at where you're focused and who's in what position and stuff like that, and you really yeah. start to see that like there is no difference between these men other than who has that power, um, and that that is necessary and good. Is yeah, I th- I think I think yeah, he probably was maybe not in these specific philosophical terms. But he absolutely okay. artistically was trying to put us into that mindset or into the despair and into the okay. the anguish that that is. Okay. So okay. now you don't start with the head. Right. Oh, just the victim gets fuzzy. all fuzzy. I can't remember anything. Uh, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. At the end of the film. His entire reputation as Batman is ruined, which is the part that I have the hardest time understanding, quite honestly. But okay, I accept it because it's part of the movie. And he, Batman, Bruce Wayne, has to choose even that. Like, nothing happens to him. He has to make every single choice, and they're awful choices. And there's nothing that he hasn't done for Gotham. And this is yet another thing that he's done for them. He saved them from the knowledge that their white knight was ultimately corrupted by the forces of chaos. That chaos is winning. That chaos, because if chaos is winning, then everybody else in Gotham is going to give in to despair. And he's the only one that can hang on to despair and keep moving with it. So he took all the city's sins onto himself and ran into the wilderness. Literally, there's dogs chasing him. And frankly, he's doing it for a city that doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Wow. And this is how Bruce Wayne will finally get his break from being Batman. Oh, wow. Yeah. And all the same, it's not a liberation for him. It's a house arrest. He's still imprisoned and he's still anguishing. And physically crippled. Yeah. Oh, I'll get to that when we get to the Dark Knight Rises in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the 2008. Like you thought the 2005 was a mind fuck. The 2008, <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like the 2005 was like external, 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 and then like oh we are fragile as shit. And then 2008 was like oh the internal uh, that's rotten to the core too. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a pretty stunning Damn. indictment of of us as a culture that those two movies have that arc. And and he ain't done with us yet, by the way. Yeah. So. Oh no! Oh hell no! Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh, we get to the one that is my favorite Jesus. in terms of a oh. lot of things. Not necessarily in terms of the acting, but in terms of the. Well, you'll see in the next episode. But um, yeah, it, it's oof. It is something. It 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 is it is a masterpiece in in I think in. In symbol in symbolism, I think the Dark Knight Rises is as masterfully done symbolically 
as uh, the Batman Returns was, um, the 92 version. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. So it's a little short tonight, but that is what I've got on those two movies because I think they pair well. Um, and because I, yeah. I just have way too many pages on The Dark Knight Rises for us to put that into this one. So. <laughs> oh, crap. Okay. Yeah. So. All right. <laughs> uh, so, Ed, what have you gleaned? Go um, as long as you need to on this one because we stopped yeah, a little okay. short. Okay. I, I you know, I, I genuinely think... Um, you know, there, there has been how to, I'm trying to figure out how to, how to frame what I'm trying to say. The, the Nolan movies are, are very, very, very strongly placed in time. Mm -hmm. Like for, for all of the reasons that, that you've put forth as your thesis, Mm -hmm. you, you cannot, like say anything about these films as films without recognizing what time period in U.S. history they were made. Mm-hmm. And I think there there is a real I don't know if ambiguity is the right word, but I I feel like there's 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 a very ambivalent uh, emotional relationship in the fandom to these mm-hmm. films. I, I think, I think there are a lot of people who really, really, really love them. And I think there are a lot of people who really, really don't like them. And like to the people who really are into them, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, like there, there is no criticism of them. Like everything about them is superlative. Everything about them is, is awesome. Right. And to the people who really hate them, nothing about them is any good. Like the yeah. covers are flat and, and, right, and right. you know, and, 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 uh, Batman is this total one note rage monster character and, you know, it's all a fascist screed and, you know, mm-hmm. and the thing is, I, I lean in the direction of, of, of really loving both of these movies as mm-hmm. Batman stories, as a return to the noir nature of the character. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously, um, I totally recognize the criticisms, you know, from, from, from the folks who, who talk about the, you know, fascist greed, right. uh, you know, kind of, kind of angle on things. And, and I think that's, that's part of the reason I brought up the question about, you know, do you think Nolan was like making his own triumph of the will here or was, <laughs> was he trying to get us to, to, you know, notice the Verhoeven level kind of satire, you know, and, and make us complicit in, Oh, Hey, look at what you're cheering for, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, I, yeah, I, they are, they are amazing works of, of cinema. Mm -hmm. And I think Christian Bale gets ragged on really hard for the choices he made in his portrayal of Batman. And I think, I think there's, there's some validity to like what you said about, no, no, Bruce Wayne in this, this, this isn't about Bruce Wayne. This is about Batman. And he is a rage machine. Like, 
Yeah. Like it's all anger. Like everything is about the anger. Everything is about, you know, trying to find a way to, you know, uh, beat the shit out of, out of the underclass of Gotham to bring his parents back to life somehow. Like Mm -hmm. that's totally valid, but he manages to make that believable and, and sympathetic. Yeah. Yeah. In, in a, in a, in a, in a way that like the people who are critics of these films, I don't think want to give him credit for, you know, and, and then, you know, of course we're talking about Batman in these podcasts. We're not talking about the Joker, but like Heath Ledger took everything Jack Nicholson had done with the character and then was like, yeah, okay, I can see that. But mm-hmm. what if, what if I just go like Protean? Yeah. He truly redefined the role. Because he really did like yeah, well again though Nicholson's Batman was a Nicholson version of the Caesar Romero. I'm sorry, Nicholson's Joker was a Nicholson version of the Caesar Romero version. It was. It was derivative. Oh, oh yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, but, he owned it, but it was derivative. Christian but, but, or uh, what's his face? Uh, the Heath Ledger. His was original. His was original, and everybody since then has been a response to that. Well, okay. I, I think I think his his was original. I think his was so you you're talking about, you know, Nicholson being a Nicholson interpretation of Cesar Romero's Joker, and that's yeah, totally on the money. I think that all I think all of the choices that Ledger made were made as a response to Nicholson. Yes, I, you know, yes. In, in in that it's it's going to be no no because you know, because Nicholson outshine he codified he's the codifier yeah, of yeah, of yeah. the Romero version yeah and yes. and so and so in order to in order to to not be just doing that again he had to go okay what if I just make it so you can't believe a single word that comes out of this guy's mouth like. We we cannot right. believe anything he says, you know. Um, you know, you see, you see all of them. They're schemers, right? You know, I'm like a dog chasing a car. Okay, so you're like a dog chasing a car. You wouldn't know what to do with it if you caught it. But like, you came up with this multi-layered, rather Batman-like. Mm-hmm. You know, if they do this, then this. If they do this, then this. You know, if then tree for this elaborate plan that you had to plan out you know oh yeah to the minute yeah like like wait (laughs) no you know um and and just the the protean nature of the character the the Mm -hmm. there there is there is nothing is defined and that by itself is a definition you know it, the, the the only thing the only thing that we really know about the character is that his only motivation is is tearing down everything. Yeah, yeah, he is a I, force I, of nature ultimately. I mean, he literally yeah. is chaos, and Batman is order. And yet, yeah. it, what I love about it is Batman is flagging. Yeah, Batman order is is not able to sustain the blows of chaos. Chaos can keep on going. Yeah. Oh, it, oh yeah. And, and it loses. I mean, it costs Batman to yeah. defeat oh, yeah. chaos. Everything. It costs Batman. Yeah. And, and, and I think the most, the most defined, you know, everybody wants to talk about, 
do you want to know how I got these scars? And as an acting, as an acting exercise, Mm -hmm. that's, there's like, that's brilliant. That, that needs to be taught in every high level acting class, like everywhere. Cause Mm -hmm. there are so many things about that that are fucking brilliant. But for the definition, for the defining moment of the character of the Joker, I really think it's the moment where in the warehouse he sets the pile of cash on fire. Yes. Because because that's the point where all of the other crooks are like, wait, wait, what? 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 what, what? We thought you were one of us. You're not one of us. You're you're a fucking monster, man. We, we right. have no idea. Like you crawled out of Hades. We don't know what the fuck you are. Well, you know? he, he is the payoff on what uh, the uh, the the Autobahn guys from the Big Lebowski claimed. You know, we believe in nothing, okay. Lebowski. He actually, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, yeah say no, what you will true. about the tenets of National Socialism. At least it's an ethos. You know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> nihilists dude you know he's a fucking nihilist you know yeah he's gonna cut yeah. off your johnson yeah. you know it's <laughs> and then god knows what it'll do with it um mm-hmm. yeah no and 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 i think that conflict I think I think that that you know characterization of 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 developing the character of Batman out to be the avatar of order mm-hmm. and developing the character of the of the Joker out to be the avatar of like absolute protean chaos I think speaks very much to the mindset of our society at that time like there is no there is no balancing act Well I'll I'll go you one more Okay Batman is a flawed avatar of order and he's seeking to offload that responsibility that he assumed himself onto an agent of the government. And that agent of the government is destroyed by it. Okay. And then he becomes the ultimate um, delineation of order and chaos. Okay. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's it's as bad as you said, times 10. Like, times, because... Yeah, yeah. Cause, cause, like, shit. Th- this, this is almost an inevitability that things are going to be uh, terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So the center cannot hold. Yeah. So you've got this guy who represents the hope of of uh, of Gotham, and who can bring about change. And then you've got the the dogs of chaos barking louder and louder and louder, trying to pull down everything he does until it completely destroys it. And then you have essentially a rudderless ship afterwards. Well, I'm really not liking that analogy on a big scale. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> like fucking sucks. Like, like basically, yeah, we pinned all our hopes on we... one guy and then yeah. that left like that let people just, oh, cool, now we have a target. And they absolutely did from 2010 onward. And 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 you remember, keep your yeah. government hands off my Medicare? Like, the fuck is that? Um, yeah. And then and then you do that for, like, it doesn't matter what he does. Oh, we got bin Laden. No, oh, he shouldn't be spiking the football. He wore a tan suit. He had mustard. Like, whatever the fuck. Who, um, who, who yeah. You yeah. Know? No, and and then not. what do you get afterwards is... A populist who appeals to the people through lies, 
who has a really misshapen mouth and who who isn't even actually a populist right so could it be you know, that the next batman movie is prophetic as fuck oh man <laughs> i really <laughs> i got to tell you i really hope not because i've seen the color palette for the next one in the trailers and i really don't want that well no no i'm saying that it, uh, the 2012 oh, one predicted oh, okay. these last 4 years yeah Oh Jesus! Yeah, and they all and it, it. By the way, just so you know, all the Batman's after that just get worse and worse in terms of being slices of shit that we don't like about ourselves. So. Oh yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So a little bit of you know foreshadowing there of what yep. a shit sandwich things are going to turn out to be. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Good times. How uplifting. How it's... wonderful. Everybody, please <laughs> subscribe. Give us a like. Give us five stars. Yes. Uh, you can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, rate, subscribe, review. Uh, let us know how amazing we are because we're doing a damn good job here. We're doing the Lord's work. Um, and uh, Okay, wait. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one saying that? Yes. Hold yes. on. Okay. All right. Okay. Just, yeah. just double checking. All right. Yeah. Not the co-host you deserve, but the co-host you're going to get. There you go. So... <laughs> But yeah. All right. All right. So let's see. Uh, where can they find? Oh no no. What are you reading? Oh um. Well, right now, what am I reading? I'm I'm still working my way through uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Uh huh. Um. And then when I put that down, I am. Excuse me. I'm continuing uh, to read the story of the Flying Tigers. Oh, cool. And um, I, I have now read uh, up to the point where the actual uh, AVG uh, has been has been authorized, mm-hmm. and uh, all of the mechanics and all of the pilots and all of the everybody's support crew and everybody uh, are are sailing their way across the Pacific on a series of Dutch registered liners uh, to get to Burma and then to China. And uh, it's it's really, uh, really quite remarkable how young so many of these guys were. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, reading this book as a forty-five-year-old. Oh yeah. And and reading about the fact that you know, we're talking about these guys being you know twenty-one, twenty-two, literally half my age, um, yeah. heading off to this you know this time, and I'm I'm just I'm shaking my head at. You know, just the 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 incongruity of it, and yet at the same time, it's like, well, of course, who are you going to get to sign on to do something this flagrantly fucking stupid? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like like it's it's remarkably brave, but also like dumb. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and 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 you know, it sounds more judgmental than I mean, but just just from the point of view of being again a forty five year old married guy with a kid like right yeah you know you're gonna it's it's the same it's 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 you know running off to japan to teach for two years only like times a thousand yeah you know and and the the sheer dumb fuck courage involved in it is really amazing mm-hmm. and yeah so, and, and of course this, these guys are doing this in the, in the, you know, 19, 1939, 1940 during a time in our, in our country's history when, 
you know, most of these guys are coming from, from small towns. You know, this is before the massive urbanization that, that we, we now know as being normal. Right. And, and, you know, so the first time they've, they've been outside the United States, they're literally going to the other side of the planet, you know? That's, um, yeah, that's my, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a fascinating story. Yeah. It's, it's really amazing. Um, and it's, and it's very well written. Um, so yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. Nice. How about you? Uh, there's a book written in 1955 called they thought they were free and it's essentially, uh, this guy named, uh, mayor, uh, he, uh, he basically went and interviewed people, different guys, different men, um, and asked them basically like they'd all been part of the Nazi party. And he's like, why? And so he goes and invites them or interviews them. And, and essentially it's, it's a discussion of how a very progressive democracy can give way to fascism. And it doesn't happen overnight as a calamitous thing. It happens little by little by little, which, which enables the catastrophes. Um, so death of the thousand cuts. Well, it's almost like the death of the thousand cuts allows the splitting of the carcass. Okay. You know? Um, and so, yeah, you're making a lot of little cuts and then suddenly the whole thing rips apart, you know? And, uh, and it's really quite something. Um, and it it just kind of talks about how people really trusted in Hitler and he enabled, he used that to, that that bully pulpit to get people to be okay with governance by surprise. That was a phrase that I read in there. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I, I don't know, for some reason that just seemed like a good idea to pick that up. It has nothing to do with our current situation yeah, nothing, at all. Nothing at all. No, or anything we've no, lived through for the last not. four years. No. Nope. But no. uh, nope. totally recommend. Um, it's okay. It's depressing as shit. Um, so where can they, but but well worth reading. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Where can they find you on the social medias? So I can be found on the social medias at, uh, EH Blaylock on Twitter and EH Blaylock on, uh, the TikTok. Mm. Uh, and, uh, Mr. Blaylock, MR Blaylock on, uh, the Instagram. Mm Mm-hmm. And if you want to yell at both of us, uh, because you know I've I've said something heretical about my opinion of the Nolan movies, um, you can shout at us collectively at Geek History Time on the Twitter. And if they're looking for you, Mister Harmony, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Duh Harmony. Two H's in the middle there. Duh Harmony. Uh, you can also find me every Tuesday night uh, at uh, twitch.tv forward slash capital puns. Um, and you can uh, see me slinging puns uh, for, with people from uh, Australia to Berlin um, and all pints in between. Uh, slinging puns uh, every night at 8.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, so that's that's pretty much where I can be find uh, can be found. Um yeah, so there was all right. There was something I was gonna say, but damned if I can remember. So, all right, for a geek history of time, I'm Damien Harmony, and I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling twenties.